you've got your Bibles with you. If not, it's okay. Brother Lauren's going to have it on the screen. We're going to read out of two different passages of Scripture today. Romans chapter 12 and 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And if you'll stand with me all over the room, we will get right into the Word today. Romans chapter 12, beginning with verse 4. And I'm reading from the New Living Translation. Just as our bodies have many parts, and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body, and we all belong to each other. Remember that. We all belong to each other. In His grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you're a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it is giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. Now, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. With verse 1. Now, dear brothers and sisters, regarding your question about the special abilities the Spirit gives us, I don't want you to misunderstand this. You know that when you were still pagans, you were led astray and swept along in worshiping speechless idols. So I want you to know that no one speaking by the Spirit of God will curse Jesus, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same Spirit is the source of them all. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but it is the same God who does the work in all of us. A spiritual gift is given to each of us, say each of us, so we can help each other. To one person, the Spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. To another, the same Spirit gives a message of special knowledge. The same Spirit gives great faith to another and to someone else. The one Spirit gives the gift of healing. He gives one person the power to perform miracles and another the ability to prophesy. He gives someone else the ability to discern whether a message is from the Spirit of God or from another spirit. Still another person is given the ability to speak in unknown languages while another is given the ability to interpret what is being said. It is the one and only Spirit who distributes all these gifts. He alone decides which gift each person should have. Today I want to preach to you for a few moments a message I have simply titled, Discovering Your Spiritual Gifts. If you will, pray with me and for me one more time. Father, once again, we thank you for your presence. Now we thank you for your word. I ask, Lord, that you would move me out of the way. Let your spirit be increased within me. Lord, let your word come forth today, not with the enticing words of men's wisdom, but with the power and the demonstration of your spirit. God, we ask today that you would anoint Remove all distractions from us, God, for the next few moments and anoint every ear to hear and every heart to receive what thus saith the Word of God. Let us leave this place differently than we came because we've been in your presence and changed by your Word. And we will give you the glory, the honor, and the praise that you are so deserving of. In the mighty name of your Son, Jesus, we pray. And everybody said, Amen. You may be seated. This year, as we strive to put the kingdom of God first in everything we do. That's what we're doing this year, kingdom first, striving to put the kingdom of God first in everything that we do. We're making some proclamations around here. And the first proclamation that we are make that we made in the month of February was I worship. You know, we were created 
for that very purpose, to worship our Creator. That's why we were created. And I want us to be a church and a people who celebrate worship. Can I get an amen to that? I want us to be a people who celebrate worship. Freedom Point is meant to be a place where you are free to worship and to praise the Lord. And we celebrate that freedom, and we will celebrate it in acts of worship. You're going to see some people that vibrantly and vividly worship the Lord. And we invite you to be a part of that and worship the Lord with us. And we continue today talking about the very important act of serving and how we can prayerfully discover what it is that God would have us to do for Him as we make this proclamation, I serve. And I want to tell you this morning that until we make these proclamations personal, until they become personal with us, we will never fully enjoy the benefits of our spiritual life and our walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I want to share a couple of things with you today about a couple of people. I started to put pictures on the screen, but unless you're a history buff, you really probably don't know who they are anyway. But I want to share with you a couple uh, scenarios of a couple of different people. First of all, there was a woman by the name of Hetty Green who died in 1916. When Hetty died in 1916, she passed away as the world's richest woman. Yet she was also known as a miser because she lived her life as a pauper. She was a businesswoman. Many referred to her. Her nickname was the Witch of Wall Street. Now let that sink in. She left when Hetty died in 1916. She left an estate with an estimated value in 1916 of over $100 million, which in today's value of the dollar is equivalent to having more than $1 billion today. And Hetty regularly, listen at this, died in 1916 with over $100 million. The woman regularly ate cold oatmeal. Because she thought it cost too much to heat it up. Listen at this. I understand why they may have called her the witch of Wall Street. I would venture to say her family didn't think a whole lot more of her. Her son had his leg amputated because she took so long to get him adequate medical care while she was looking for a free clinic. She would not let people treat him that wanted to charge her. Now, has anybody ever known anybody who was stubborn? Has anybody, well, I probably won't do that. I may get some marital fights started right here in the sanctuary. I'll just skip over that one. But Hetty died in the midst of an argument. Do you know what the argument was over? Milk. She passed away in the middle of an argument over milk. She was arguing that skim milk was the best because it was the cheapest. She was arguing that when she died. She was wealthier than most men and any single woman in the world, yet she lived like the poorest of the poor. She never enjoyed or benefited from the riches that were rightfully hers. Think about that. A second person that I read about, I couldn't even really pronounce his name, so I'm leaving it out. 
uh, he lived on the west coast of America, living in poverty on the west coast of America until one day he found out that he was the only living heir to a British nobleman. Now this was back in the days when that was legit because we've all got the email about you've got an ancestor over in so-and-so that left you a million dollars, right? Everybody's got that. I hope you didn't send them your account number. But anyway, this was back in the day when that was really true. He was notified that he was the only living heir to a British nobleman. And he immediately went to a department store and he bought the best suit that he could afford and he went and bought a first-class ticket to London, and he flew back to England in style. And when he arrived there, he lived the life of a nobleman. He fully received and accepted what was rightfully his, and he began to enjoy it, to act upon it, and to live with it. Now, I want to ask you something this morning. Which of those two illustrations best describes your spiritual life? See, too many times God's people are living far beneath the privileges that God has bestowed upon us. And in our scripture today, Paul said, I don't want you to misunderstand this. Now, in the King James Version, he said it this way, I would not have you to be ignorant. But I was nicer than Paul was. Somebody say amen. I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren. Six times, six times in his letters, to the different churches, to the body of Christ, Paul uses that phrase. Twice he uses it in reference to the Jewish people regarding Jesus. Once in reference to his plans to visit the church at Rome and to share the gospel with them. Once regarding the sufferings that he and his team had endured while he was in Asia. Once he used it in reference to the end times and the resurrection of the dead. And here, number six, in this passage of scripture where he says, I would not have you to be ignorant or... In other words, I do not want you to misunderstand this. He's talking to the church about spiritual gifts. Now, spiritual gifts are special abilities distributed by the Holy Spirit to every believer according to God's design and grace. They are spiritual endowments, if you will, that are used for ministry and for the purposes of God so that each of us can make our own unique contribution to glorify God and continue the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ on this earth. Did you know that every single person seated in this room and every person watching online right now has a unique contribution that you can make for the kingdom of God? Spiritual gifts also allow us to serve one another better because we are no longer drawing on our own abilities and power, but rather we are using God's abilities in us and drawing upon the power of God as we minister and do the work of the kingdom in the name of Jesus. And just as your passion answers the where question, where you are to serve, spiritual gifts Answer the what question. What are you to do when you serve? Now, I'm not normally one uh, to give points a lot in a sermon, but here in this series I have been, so I'm going to give you five points today. So for those of you who love points and your note takers, enjoy it while it lasts. And for those of you that don't, it'll soon be over. Amen. But there are five things that Paul has to say in these two passages of Scripture about spiritual gifts. Five things. First of all, Paul explains that a spiritual gift is a manifestation of the Holy Spirit. Let me say that again. A spiritual gift 
is a manifestation, a demonstration of the Holy Spirit. Let's look at verse 7. In verse 7, the term spiritual here is very appropriate because the origin of all spiritual gifts is the Holy Spirit who equips us. It is also appropriate because the purpose of these gifts is spiritual and it's not worldly or carnal in nature. Spiritual gifts are meant to do God's work in the kingdom. Okay? And they are referred to as gifts because that is exactly what they are. They are gifts that are given to us. They were not chosen by us or earned by us. In fact, the Greek word here for gifts uh, translated in Romans 12 and 6, the original Greek word was charismata, which actually means special gifts of grace. So listen to your pastor this morning. In other words, any ability that we have to do something for the kingdom of God is 100% the result of God's grace toward us. Is anybody thankful for grace this morning? So what is grace? Grace is unmerited or undeserved, if you will, favor from God. Now, follow me this morning. You see, you can learn a skill and you can acquire a talent, but you are given a gift. You can learn a skill, you can acquire a talent, but you are given a gift. A gift is not something that you can earn. A gift is not something that you can learn. It is something that is given to you, and spiritual gifts are only given by the Holy Spirit. Secondly, spiritual gifts are given for the common good. I'm going to preach to us for just a few moments here this morning. Spiritual gifts are not given to glorify you. Spiritual gifts are not given to make you feel important. Spiritual gifts are not given to make you feel better about yourself. And spiritual gifts are certainly not given to make you feel better than somebody else. Can I hear an amen? They are given to us for the benefit of others. Um, for the common good of the entire church. That's why spiritual gifts are given. They are to build up other believers and to build up or expand the kingdom of God. In other words, it allows you to minister to others by serving them in the name of Jesus. Now, this is why, I told you I was going to preach to us for a moment. This is why... We have, I'm not talking about this church, but I'm talking about the church as a whole. This is why we have good singers on platforms, but they have no anointing. This is why we have musicians in the band, but they have no anointing. This is why we have discipleship and Sunday school teachers that are not effective. I know it's getting quiet. This is why we have folks serving in areas in the body of Christ as a whole because they are trying to make things about them and not about Him. But the spiritual gifts that are given to you are given to you to glorify God and to edify the entire body of Christ. 
Sometimes you have a skill set that can be used with that spiritual gift, whatever it is. We'll get to that in a minute. Here's another thing that spiritual gifts do. They make following and serving God enjoyable. And that allows us to serve God with a joyful heart. Now some of y'all, I don't know who y'all are. Unless you look at me a certain way when I say this, then I know who you are. Some of y'all got up today and you was like, oh, it's Sunday. I got to go to church today. Some of y'all, when you saw the announcement, uh, well, you, it wasn't on the announcement video, but when you heard me talking about it earlier, it was like, oh, next Sunday, serve Sunday. I don't want to serve. Right? I want to tell you something this morning. Spiritual gifts from God make following and serving God enjoyable. And you will become glad to do what it is that God has gifted you and given you the ability to do. Spiritual gifts make doing the work of God fun and fulfilling. Sometimes we have fun uh, simply because we enjoy what God has called us to do. Because when you're exercising your spiritual gift or gifts, some of us have more than one, especially if it's also an area that you're passionate about. As we discussed when we talked about passion last week, when you're doing that, you experience the presence of God right in your midst and you can see God at work through you and you can experience God's impact on other people when you operate in that gift and that calling that God has given you. And I don't know about you, there's nothing any greater to me than the presence of the Lord. They sung about it earlier. There's nothing greater than you. So gifts are for the common good and you, all of you, are part of of that common good. There's nothing better. Thirdly, every believer, say every believer, every believer is given at least one spiritual gift. Now, this is important because sometimes I think as uh, traditional Pentecostals and some of us with the Pentecostal heritage, maybe uh, that just grew up in the Pentecostal church, we don't always fully understand how to explain uh, to other people uh, our belief uh, about the Holy Spirit. And here's the, here's the deal. Here's what Scripture says. Paul says, so I just said that every believer is given at least one spiritual gift. Paul said that if you have not the Spirit, you are none of His. So when you receive Christ, you receive the Holy Spirit living inside of you. When you at salvation, at conversion, when you receive Christ, but... Christ living inside of you and the baptism of the Holy Spirit or the infilling of the Holy Spirit is an entirely different experience. Say amen, somebody. So, but every believer, even if you haven't experienced the infilling of the Holy Spirit or the baptism of the Holy Spirit as we refer to it, you still, if you are a believer and you are saved, you have still been given at least one spiritual gift. So Paul makes a point of saying that gifts work in all men and that God gives them to each one. Spiritual gifts, and now I need some of you uh, team leaders and things to help me on this. Spiritual gifts are not limited to those who are leaders in the church. Spiritual gifts are not limited to those who are called into full-time ministry. In the King James Version of verse 6 here, which I did not give them, but in the King James Version, Paul said this way. He said, we have different gifts. He did not say, I have different gifts or some have different gifts. He said, we have different gifts according to the grace 
given us. So when you become a Christian, the Holy Spirit will manifest himself. And one of the ways that he does that is the giving to us and us using those spiritual gifts. The different, this differentiates a spiritual gift from abilities or talents or skills. Listen, abilities, I mentioned this a minute ago, or talents or skills might interact with a spiritual gift. And spiritual gifts are often exercised in areas where a talent or a skill already exists. But a spiritual gift is a manifestation and an empowerment of the Spirit of God to do the work of God. Now, this is something that I have instilled in my children from the time that they were young. And Abby can tell you because she has loved to sing. We put her, when we were traveling singing, we put her up on uh, church platforms when she was three years old and gave her a microphone and she sung, Jesus Loves Me. And I want to tell you, it helped the love offering every time. Somebody say amen. She was so cute. She had all those little ringlets and all that stuff, and she'd sing Jesus Love Me. And as she grew, she sung other things. And you, you see what she does now. I don't think anybody in this church would argue with me that she has a talent and a skill to sing and vocally do well, right? But one of the things I have instilled in her from the time she was a small child, being talented is different from being gifted. And you can have the talent and the skill, but without the anointing of the Holy Ghost, you are not effective to do the work. But I'm so thankful that I can see God at work in her and gifting her with the anointing and giving her the ability to help lead people in worship into the presence of God. The anointing makes the difference. But you have to recognize the areas that God has gifted you in for Him to anoint you and use you in those areas. So it might look like a talent or skill, but it's much more than that because God is working in the midst of that gift. So here's the bottom line. Spiritual gifts are not about us, but they're about God within us. I said this in the 845 service, and I'm going to say it now. God has blessed me tremendously. God has blessed this church from the day that we opened the doors. God is blessing us now, even in when some of you uh, schedule some times and go see where God's taking us. You're just going to be in amazement at what God is doing. God is blessing us. But I want to tell you something right now, and I say this to, to myself included. If any single one of us ever thinks that God can't do this without us, we're wrong. I could be gone tomorrow. And God, and I'm not going to be gone tomorrow, by the way. But I could be gone tomorrow if I had the attitude that that I, I was it. I was I was the stuff. You ever know anybody that had the attitude they were the stuff? And, and that nobody could do this without me. I want to tell you something. God would prove me wrong every time if I had that attitude. I don't care if you're a talented vocalist, a musician, a greeter, a teacher, whatever you are. When you get to the place where you think more highly of yourself than you ought to think, as the Apostle Paul said, then you're thinking in yourself and not in God's gifting and abilities. But I want to tell you something. God's church will not go downhill because you walk away. God's church will continue to go forward. God will always raise up a man or a woman to do the work that you do and sometimes even greater when we get too full of ourselves. Fourthly, there's a diversity of spiritual gifts. Each person is given a gift so that they can play a critical role in God's work of salvation to the world. Paul says this, there are all kinds of spiritual gifts and he even lists a few of them here in our scripture today. He lists 
uh, nine of them in the First Corinthians chapter 12 chapter. Uh, I'm so thankful for my Dake study Bible that I got for Christmas because as I read about that in the spiritual gifts, uh, you read down through there and, and I discover that this is not, uh, a lot of times we've been almost treated it like it's an exhaustive gift uh, or list of gifts, but it's not because uh, in Paul's writings elsewhere, Paul mentions spiritual gifts that are not among the nine that are listed in 1 Corinthians 12. And there are three main passages in the Bible where Paul wrote concerning spiritual gifts. And in those three main passages, he listed a total of 21 spiritual gifts. And then there are two listed in the Old Testament, totaling at least 23 that can be found in God's Word. So listen to me. Christians, by necessity, have differing spiritual gifts to accomplish everything that God wants each, uh, each of us to do. So every single individual gift... Every single individual person exercising their gift is critically important. Say amen. Fifthly, we are mutually dependent on one another. Let that sink in. We are mutually dependent on one another. Paul uses the human body as an example here. He says, each of us, and that's in Romans chapter 12, each of us have one body with many members that do not all serve the same function. Just like it's necessary for you and I to have eyes, ears, hands, feet, mouths, and all of those things working together and functioning properly and efficiently, it's also necessary in the church that people have different gifts which they cooperatively use for the common good of the body of Christ. So in order to illustrate that this morning, I want you to think about this. What if I gave each of you a Lego building block? Some of y'all got excited because you like toys. What if I gave each of you a Lego building block, all different sizes and shapes, and then I issued to you this challenge? Build something with your Lego blocks, but there's only one condition. You cannot use anybody else's Lego. Now think about it. What can you build with one Lego block? The answer is nothing. I want to tell you this morning, some of you have received large Lego blocks, which everybody can see. They can easily identify. But I want to tell you something, you still can't build anything by yourself. Some of you have received really small Lego blocks, which are almost unnoticeable to others. But despite their small size, you could still build something wonderful when you put it together. With others. Anybody ever raise boys? Anybody ever raise tomboys? Anybody ever, those kids play with Legos? Anybody ever step on one of those tiny Lego blocks in the dark? You had no question it was there, did you? When it got on the bottom of your foot, you knew that little building block was there somewhere. Now, don't tell me the words that you said when you stepped on it in the dark. Amen. But in all seriousness, this is exactly how it is in the church, folks. We all, all of us, have different, we have gifts of different shapes, different sizes, different function. Some are more prominent than others. But it's only when we all work together that we can build up the kingdom of God. How many houses are built using only a hammer? None. How many houses have been built without a hammer? Think about that. How many symphonies are played using only one type of instrument? None. 
How many symphonies have ever been played using no instruments? None. How many healthy churches are built by one or two gifted individuals? None. But how many healthy churches are built by many people working together in their gifts and their callings? That's where it's at. See, God has made the church one body with many members, and I'm almost done, with each member having a different and a vital function through their gifts. Our scripture says we are one body and each member belongs to all the others. This means, think about that. We all be- Nobody likes to think they belong to somebody else, right? But the word here says we all belong to each other. Let that sink in. This means we're all mutually dependent and responsible for every other Christian. See, some of you are gifted of God. To look around and notice somebody who's not here today and call them and make them feel important, missed, wanted, and loved. Some of you, that's your gifting. We all have a responsibility for every other Christian. We need each other and we have an obligation to use our gifts to benefit the whole church. And in the same way that all members, we got Micah back there who was on the worship team this morning, plays football at University of the Cumberlands. In the same way that all the members of a football team belong to each other, in the sense that they need each other and they're each responsible to do their part in order for the team to be a winning team. So an individual Christian, listen to your pastor this morning, can't do God's work alone, but we must operate as a member of the team to which we belong if we want to win for the kingdom. Somebody say amen. So if you are a Christian You have a spiritual gift. You don't have to debate it. That settles it. It's already been given to you. It's a gift that the Spirit of God in His sovereign, infinite wisdom has chosen for you. So you don't have to wonder if you have a gift. You don't even have to try to earn the gift. What you need to do is identify the gift. That's what you need to do. What is it and what are you doing with it? If you want more enjoyment and more fulfillment in your walk with Christ... Discover your spiritual gifts and finding where God wants you to serve. That's your passion. And if you do that, I promise you, you'll experience a level of fulfillment that is unmatched. And you will see your spiritual life soar to heights that you didn't even know were possible. So you may say, Pastor, how do I discover my spiritual gift or gifts? Today, I'm going to ask you to fill out a spiritual gifts assessment. Everybody in the building. I'm going to ask you and watching online to fill out a spiritual gifts assessment. Now let me say a couple things about this. First of all, at 12.45 today, there's going to be a link sent out by text if you're on the mass text messaging system. If you're not, text the word JOIN to 877-875-2817. Right, I figured you could say it by heart. If you're not on there, text the word JOIN in all caps to 877-875-2817. Here's why I want to tell you to do that. I promise you the online version of this is easier. If you're somebody that is not absolutely not tech savvy and you want to do it on paper, we have it on paper in the foyer for you to pick up after service today. Uh, it's all, First of all, I want everybody to say thank you, Pastor. It's only 35 questions. When I went investigating spiritual gifts assessment, they started most of them at 75 questions and ranged to about 160 or 180 questions. Now let me hear you say it again. 
Thank you, Pastor. Yeah, you only got 35 questions. I'm going to ask everybody to fill this out. If you do it through the text link online, it will automatically score it for you. If you do it on paper, you have to score it for yourself. But once it scores you, it will tell you uh, what your strong suit of gifting is based on this passage of Scripture in Romans 12, those seven areas. It will tell you what your strong suit is, and then it, uh, it will give you, if you do it online, it will give you a definition of where you scored the highest. You click on the blue link that says define, and it will give you a definition. And then there's another blue link that you can click on that will tell you how you can serve the body of Christ with that gift. It's super easy online. If you do it on paper, you score it, you see what your strong suit is, you look that up in the attachments I've given you, read about that, and then you read the examples of how you can serve. So, uh, But if you need it on paper, we've got it. So it's 35 questions, and it'll score you, and you can discover how to better serve the body of Christ in this local church. Now, I'm going to ask you this before we open the altar. or You may say to me, Pastor, what happens when you use your spiritual gifts? First of all, you contribute your part, your unique contribution to the body of Christ and God's work in the world. But you also help allow this body to function to its full capacity of what God intended for it to be. Secondly, when you use your gifts, you'll be obedient. The Bible says that it's obedience is better than sacrifice. I know a lot of people that like to brag about the fact that they fast three days uh, a month or, or ever so often, but they don't ever want to serve anywhere. Obedience is better than sacrifice. When you use your gifts, you'll be obedient. If you're Listen to me. If you are busy right now doing anything for God that's a God thing, that's good. But if you are busy discovering uh, what your strongest gifts are, that's even better. But if you are developing and serving God in your strongest areas of giftings, that is the best. Thirdly, when you use your gifts, you will grow in your effectiveness in the ministry. Just like I said earlier, the anointing makes the difference. When you use your gifts, you'll have a greater impact for the kingdom of God when you exercise the spiritual gifts God has given you. And as they come to the music... This morning. Here in this church, we believe totally in operating in and living in and doing ministry out of our strengths, out of our giftings. We are all, say all again, we are all called to serve and we all have gifts to offer the body of Christ. Maybe you're wondering where it is that God wants you to serve. And I want to tell you, when you understand your gifts, you're no longer confused. When you understand your gifts, you no longer question whether or not it's of God. When you know your gifts, and here's the other key, when you surrender everything to God, surrender everything to God, you can become a powerful tool in the hands of God. The question I have for you this morning is are you willing to take what God has gifted to you and use it to glorify Him and build the kingdom. It's that simple. Are you willing? I want to share this with you. This week I was praying. I was at home by myself on Thursday night when all of my family was here practicing for worship. And I was studying and I was praying. And you know, as your pastor, I, I, I don't say things like this unless, unless I, 
believe it to be true. You, you're not going to hear me say God said to me unless I know that it was the Lord. But I heard almost an audible voice while I was praying speak into my ear. And all it said was Jeremiah 2, 32. And it was one of those things, um, Ernie, where I asked myself, did God really just speak that to me or was it me? And then I asked myself, I thought, self... I'm not even sure if Jeremiah chapter 2 has 32 verses. So I know the Lord didn't speak it to me if it doesn't. But then I walked from where I was praying into my office and I had my Dake study Bible on my desk and I opened up my Dake study Bible to Jeremiah chapter 2 and sure enough, there was verse 32. Here's what it said. Jeremiah 2 and 32 says this. Does a young woman forget her jewelry I don't know about you Rita sells paparazzi she just said no put a plug in there for Rita sells paparazzi isn't that what it's called yeah does a young woman forget her jewelry I have two at my house and I can tell you neither one of them forget their jewelry if they do they come back does a bride forget her wedding garments or ornaments no look what the word said this is what God was speaking to me Thursday night. Yet my people have forgotten me days without number. Every single one of us has a spiritual gift. Every single one watching online or, or hearing my voice, you have a spiritual gift to offer if you're a believer to the kingdom of God. We make sure that we spend time. I know you may not help me with this, but I'm just going to tell it like it is. We make sure we spend time uh, out on the lake on the weekends in the summer. We got a boat. We make sure we spend time getting our kids to every type of sporting event they can possibly participate in. If we want them to be an athlete, hello somebody. We make sure we spend time doing things that please us. But God said, my people have forgotten me. Days without number. I'm telling you, church, God is calling us back to putting the kingdom first. God has gifted all of us. And isn't it time that we stop forgetting God? And we start using what God has given us to do a work for the kingdom? I want to tell you something right now. When the Lord spoke that to me, here's something I realized. We are missing gifts in this body. Because not everybody is using what God has given you. We need your gifts. I want to close with this today, if you'll stand with me all over the room. I want to leave this with you as a kick again as we open the altar. Romans chapter 12, verses 4 through 8, Paul said, Just as our bodies have many parts, and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body, and we all belong to each other. In His grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you're a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it is giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, please take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. But here's the bottom line. Nobody else can do your serving for you. And God does not want a single one of you to watch Him use somebody else. God 
wants to use you. So I just have a question today, and we're going to open this altar. Will you make yourself available to Him to be used for His service? Will you ask God, as you make some prayerful preparation for that spiritual gifts assessment you're going to do when you leave here, in this altar time, will you make some prayerful preparation and ask God to help you discover what it is that He has gifted you to do so that you can effectively make the proclamation with all of God's people that I'll serve. I'll do what you want me to do. Every head bowed and every eye closed all over this room. There may be somebody sitting here today that you don't know the Lord as your personal Savior. I want to tell you something. I want to personally testify to you this morning that Jesus will be the best decision you'll ever make. I said Jesus will be the best decision that you'll ever make. Church, I want you to pray. Those of you that are saved, I want you to pray right now because somebody else may be listening to me and you may realize this morning, I'm not ready to meet the Lord should I go out into eternity today. You may not think much of yourself and you may say, I need to get my act together and do, a, do some certain things before I give my heart and life to God. No, you don't need to get anything together. God will get your act together. What you need to do is make the best decision that you'll ever make and Jesus is the best and the easiest decision that you will ever make. So in just a moment, when we open this altar, I'm going to invite you to come. Slip on your mask and come. If you don't have one, there's one on both sides of this altar. Uh, I want all of God's people that will to slip on your mask and come and pray and say, God, here I am. I make myself available to you. God, I'm going to prayerfully consider. I'm making prayerful preparation right now for you to speak to me on what my spiritual gifts are. God, I'm asking you right now that you would move in this body. Speak to your people. Stir us up, God. Stir up the gift, as Paul said, within us, that each of us will use what we have for your glory. God, I'm asking you to draw in the lost into these altars today. God, let somebody make the decision of Jesus today to follow Jesus. God, let somebody make that proclamation today.